Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. I'm a uh, sexaholic named Mike. Truly grateful to the Father God of my youth for one more day cleaning this fellowship. Uh, the nature of my addiction is compulsive masturbation and fantasy with and without other human beings. The inability to sit quietly with myself being totally, absolutely, and utterly obsessed with myself and power. And uh, through God's mercy and grace, I've been sexually sober since uh, October 11, 2000. That's a miracle for an industrial strength addict like myself. I see we've got uh, some horsepower in here. One guy's got my last name, and the other one's a, uh, a guy with one day of sobriety from Tennessee. <laughs> I like that. Um, so the topic, uh, would be, am I done yet? Um, toward the, uh, first of all, I believe I was a sexaholic from birth. Nothing happened to me in my childhood. The only thing unusual about my childhood was it was the longest one ever recorded. Um, I really believe I was born a sexaholic, an addict right out of the birth canal. I was looking for a hit some kind, um, basically to feel good. Not that I was feeling any kind of pain, but I just like feeling good. And, uh, you know, I use sugar, food, hanging on my dog, hanging on my mom. Uh, sex hit me. Uh, that was pretty stout. Um, like uh, Joe and Charlie said, two things happened to them and me too when they were 12 years old. One of them was sex and the other one was this. Massive defiance just came over me. And I just, uh, the good little Catholic kid just took off and started doing whatever the hell I wanted to do. And I, I you know, I perfected that until I was 56 years old. Uh, I also had an extreme problem with alcohol. I drank for 30 years and um, I came into AA when I was 45 years old. And um, my, my story about, um, about my, I, I, I kind of reconnected with my God in AA. I was in AA for 10 years before I got to SA. But I never went back to church. I never, uh, I had this unworthiness thing going on. And uh, I never really got back to the faith of my youth until I got clean in here. I mean, that was <laughs> a big deal. Um, so, uh, I, I experienced whack-a-mole to a little bit of a, uh, to a big degree. When I put alcohol down, the lust went crazy. You know, not that it wasn't always crazy, but it would really, really, um, I became, um, addicted to the internet. I had, I had multiple adulterous affairs, um, um, a huge amount of anonymous sex with men in public places. Being on the internet six hours a night, every night, from 1 a.m. to 7 a.m., and when I would go to work. Um, 
and com just compulsive masturbation all at the same time. This is at the end of my acting out. And um, I didn't, uh, my, my experience was is that, uh, you know, I, I, I had no idea I had a sexual uh, addiction because it was, uh, it was working for me, you know. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't try and stop acting out because I was caught doing something. Um, I had all kinds of consequences for my acting out, but because my drug was just rocking, the consequence couldn't even begin to touch me. I, I, it had no effect on me. I would just act out and use all the way through it. And, uh, you know, it was just, who cares? Because this was the most important thing in my life was staying loaded. I was a maintenance luster. Uh, so, uh, you know, I really believe that um, a drug, any kind of drug, including, you know, endorphins and all the rest of that stuff, has a, a, a tolerance level. I know Lee knows about this stuff. Uh, you know, it it diminishes as you use it. And that's crack, smack, whatever, alcohol, whatever you want to talk about, pornography, anything. The effect of it uh, gets less and less and less. And, of course, my response is more and more and more. And uh, I would mix and match, you know, I would throw art in there, retail therapy, whatever, to try and sustain my high. But at the end, I was doing all that stuff at one time. And, um, and it was not working. I can't say that enough. I didn't, I didn't try to interrupt my acting out. My acting out let me down. Um, and my wife was the very first one to, um, become aware of this. I just told her, you know, we were trying to act out together and it was just awful. Oh my God. It was horrific. Um, and then I, I, you know, I just told her what was going on. Not all the specifics, thank God. But, um, and she had at that time, um, maybe 25 years in Al-Anon. <laughs> and her response was, fix it. Uh, I, I didn't get the, uh, well, we're going to go to counseling together or, you know, we'll go find a 12-step pro or, or none of this we stuff. It was fix it. So, um it's kind of funny because I, I, I went back to my uh, AA sponsor. When, when I did the fifth step in AA, you know, I, I, we spent four hours together and we did resentments and fear. And when we got to sex, he said, well, what about sex? And uh, this guy's giving me everything he has. It was, he was working way harder than I was. And I said, I nailed everything that moved for 35 years. I had no intentions of even discussing sex because I was, you know, totally loaded on sex. And this is about alcohol anyway, whatever. Um, but now I find myself back up in Seattle with this. Uh, now I, I had written out part three of my fifth step, you know, now. And now I'm sitting there with this guy. 
and I'm giving, of course, I'm contrite and, you know, my head's down, full of guilt and all that stuff. And uh, he starts laughing at me uh, as I'm, you know, wringing this stuff out of my brain. And uh, this is what crazed Jesuits do. And uh, I said, what are you laughing at? What's so? He said, you're just a garden variety sexaholic. Nothing special about you at all. And I went, really? So he gave me a number to call, and uh, I was another uh, one of those guys that in, back, back in Portland, and I went back to see him, and I ended up in a meeting of Sexaholics Anonymous. And uh, so I'm sitting there, and I was the first one at the meeting, and a guy comes in, he takes the attache case out, opens it up on the table, takes a big book out and throws it on the table. And I saw that book and I went, oh, oh, my God. I had no idea, you know, at all what essay was. But I saw that book and I went, I'm sunk. I'm in, no matter what it is. And um, I had a sponsor my first day. And, uh, you know, I learned from the ANA. You know, that the guy who, you know, knows the book backward and forward and, uh, you know, everyone everybody looks up to and uh, sometimes is on the speaker circuit is not the guy for me. The guy for me is the one who's quiet and has humility, who has what I don't have. And I'll be darned if I didn't find the right guy. And even his sponsor, my grand sponsor, is exactly the same as he is. And uh, he, he did some casting out in the first meeting I was with. I went, oh, geez, you know, we're going to get arrested. You know, I had no idea. And that humility and honesty, it, you know, I, it just blew me away. So I asked him at the end of the first meeting, he said, call me. Call me tomorrow. I'll be your temporary sponsor. So I've been calling him every day for 24 years. Uh, you know, New Zealand, Ireland, wherever, every day at the, t at the right time I pull over. But at any rate, so there I was. And uh, now I'm going to SA and I got the sobriety definition. You know, I don't have any problem. That's just parallels of faith in my youth. Everything is there. Um, but I couldn't get sober. Um, not even close. Uh, I was, you know, chronically masturbating. Uh, the internet was just huge. Um, I, 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 I took some action on that right away. I just gave it to my wife. I said, you know, change all the passwords or whatever. If I get on the internet, um, you know, I need to get do it through you. And even then, you know, she would be on the internet and, and go to bed, and I come down the stairs and I see that light on, and I was gone. So I go down there and, you know, put another three, four hours in. And um, and I was doing adult bookstores. Um, I think the affairs quit. But at any rate, uh, I just kept getting loaded. Uh, I'd get two weeks, you know, 30 days. I remember I got loaded on the way to getting a 60-day chip. And, uh, and at, at the end of all this, it, it was just like clockwork, 14 days, 14 days, 14 days, 14 days, 14. And, you know, I was 
So I was uh, struggling mightily, and and I and I might add that I, you know, I I my sponsor in AA, I kind of use like an attorney, you know, but my sponsor in SA, I knew this was so serious, so pervasive, so on me, twenty four seven. You know, I was either using dope sick, copping, you know, it, it was my whole existence was around this stuff. So uh, when I got my sponsor, I knew that this is a different deal. I call him every day. I do what he says. I don't negotiate. I don't process any of his, his instructions or evaluate them or see if they fit into my lifestyle. I just do them. Kind of like Jess Laird said, you know, sponsor tell him something. He was on the way before he got done with the, and his wife too. He's on the way. Um, so that was a completely new thing. And, you know, it was suggested, of course, I do 90 and 90. And then he said, after that, I could back it off to a meeting a day and, uh, which I've been doing for 23 years. But at any rate, uh, you know, do 90 and 90, uh, make sure you go to all the, the speaker meetings, the uh, potlucks, uh, you know, when in four weeks I was at International in Sacramento, and I'm pretty sure that uh, Lee was there. Um, there was a panel up there, at any rate. Um, and uh, I just did everything that was suggested, and um, I just couldn't get sober. And... Um, you know, there was a guy that God put in that meeting for me. There are people in 12 step program, they're rare, but they're genuinely evil um, that, that play this thing, that uh, manipulate the program. And uh, this guy was claiming he was sober, you know, 10 years or whatever. In reality, he's, you know, master, whatever. He wasn't sober. But he was really smug when it came to me. I can't imagine why, as humble as I am, you know. At any rate, so whenever I'd come in there and I'd say, you know, I'm a sexologist named Mike and I got 15 minutes clean. I just came from the bookstore. He just leaned back, you know, and fold his arms and looked down his nose at me and uh, just, you know, big me and uh, big him and little me. And uh, that was very disturbing to an alcoholic jerk like me. Um, but it kept happening over and over again. And, and it got to the point where, you know, I was beginning to feel it. Maybe because I'm. Not sober, I shouldn't be happy, joyous, and free. <laughs> but, you know, there is a consequence for not being sober. And uh, what he was doing, well, what he, the result of his behavior was, is I was getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Every time I went through this with him. And my ego was getting, you know, weaker and weaker and weaker. And I'm sure God put him in that room. He eventually left. Um, it came out that he was, he was doing marijuana and that really uh, maintenance marijuana and that, you know, whatever. But he left. 
And that got me really close to getting sober. Um, I still, you know, I was still skipping along the bottom and um, my sponsor, I asked my sponsor, I said, you know, I can't get sober. How about if I do the steps loaded? He said, well, it can't hurt. So I did it and uh, sober is better. Um, but it got to a point where um, I was real close to giving up. And I don't mean just trying to get sober. I mean, totally giving up everything, leaving the building, which it turns out is the sweetest spot you could possibly be in. And um, my sponsor said, uh, he could tell by the first consonant out of my mouth, you know, on the phone that, that I'm loaded. And um, I call him this particular day and I said, well, David, I can't, he just, don't bother. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when I, I said, I, you know, I'm, I lost my sobriety again. He said, better you than me. I went, really? Wait a minute. Aren't you supposed to love me? And that's exactly what he was doing. So two weeks later, same thing happened. <coughs> uh, he said, you know what? I think you, you got to go to the spa in Philadelphia for a month or so. What he meant was, is there's a treatment center in uh, Philadelphia that's unlike any other treatment center in the world. It's in South Philly. It's in the hood. It's run by a bunch of guys from N.A. It's called Keystone. And they are in your face from day one. This is not the, uh, you know, the Arizona model or any of that stuff. And, um, and my response was, taxi. I was just, I, I'm ready to do anything, as I always have been. So I had three days when I got clean. I mean, three days clean before I got there. And when I got there, um, I got to throw this in. Well, um, I had my my big book with me, and I had the, a little flyer inside the big book, big book where I was going. And when I went through the airport, I asked the information lady, da, 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 whatever. And I left my book there. And so I get over to Keystone, and I'm getting to be introduced and all the rest of this stuff. They have a meeting going on. And here comes a guy from the airport. The guy ran it all the way from the Philly airport to Keystone to give me my book. And she wrote a note in, in there and said, good luck in recovery. This is a black lady I'd never seen before. Good luck in recovery. God bless you. I went, oh, dear God. Even, even a, uh, you know, a maniac like me uh, just lost it when I saw that. And I knew this is right where I needed to be. So that night, three o'clock in the morning, here it comes, full power. Act out, wake up, act out. So I got up and I sat there in the bed for a while and then I went into the bathroom and I got down on my knees. And because the nature of my addiction is more and um, more shame, more risk, more danger, 
bigger hit. You know, I was starting to do stuff that would have gotten me launched off the third tier at Huntsville or some other penitentiary. And I knew that this was the last stop for me. 3,000 miles away from home, didn't know anybody, had to walk away from my business, my family. So I got down there on my knees and I said, God, I can't do this. I just can't do this. And it was like a, uh, kind of like a Lord's moment for me. And that was it. That's my five, clean day. Five minutes, okay. Mike. Thank you. That's my clean day. So I did my deal at Keystone. I came back. Um, and I came back into the arms of SA. If I hadn't been going to SA, uh, I followed those guys that were with me at Keystone. All of them were loaded. All of them lost their clean time almost immediately. But because I came back into the arms of SA, I, that's my sobriety day. And um, I struggled and I struggled and I struggled and and. It took me a full two years. That, that routine lasted two years of me doing absolutely everything I was told to do. And I couldn't get sober. And um, if it wasn't for my sponsor, you know, I know people in this program that will fire people that go out. And I am so grateful that that didn't happen to me. And through his love and my wife sticking by me and, you know, the, the toughness of Al-Anon, well, I didn't, I didn't get any help from that side. I can tell you that. Not a Actually, it, it was a help because of the way she was doing it. But this was on me, 100%. And um, I'm truly grateful that uh, I found Sexaholics Anonymous and it's still uh, 24 years or whatever it is later. It still makes sense to me today. Absolutely all of it. The simpler, the better. And if somebody in here is struggling, this is my opinion. I got That's the first thing I got back when I got sober. If you're struggling in here and you can't get sober, go to AA and sit in the back and just listen. It's life and death over at AA. Every meeting, you'll hear to drink is to die one way or the other. There's a little bit of uh, softness here. If you're a struggler like me and if you're defiant like me, AA is uh, real clear. Just make it part of your program. One meeting a week, become known or whatever the deal is. But just and stay in the book. The book. That's my opinion. <laughs> That's all I got. Thanks. Thank you, Francis. And thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for your share. I really, uh, really very much related. Uh, grateful to be sober today and to and to hear your share today and um, yeah it really spoke to my experience as well because um, uh, I I also got sober by starting to go to AA um, <clears throat> within a few months of joining SA I moved to a city where there was no SA and it took me a while to take my sponsor's suggestion but he, he basically said to me go to AA meetings and do exactly what you shared you know and I sat in the back and I listened and I didn't share I think for probably about a year and I started hearing the program working in these AA people's uh, lives and heard the hope, you know, and the laughter as well. That was really important. Sometimes in my essay meetings, it can be, oh, you know, <laughs> so, so heavy sometimes. So that was that was really, really good for me. And it really brought me back um, back to that. 
um, and I'll leave it there. Thank you. Thanks, Federico. Marco, go ahead. Hi, thank you. This, I'm Margo. Thank you so much, Mike, for your share. It was very moving and I related a lot. My question may seem a little bit on the, um, off of, anyway, what I'm wondering is when you sponsor people, how do you decide within one, the same person or between people when to be tough and when to not be tough? Well, you know, that took some time uh, because of my my nature. I am an alcoholic, and uh, you know, we're kind of abrupt. And but over the years, uh, you know, I just ask God for the words. Everybody's different, and uh, I got. I just got a call this morning uh, about a guy, a sponsor, who lit lit somebody up in a meeting over this issue in an AA meeting. There was, a, you know, it was 13 stepping going on and he went way over the top and, and upset a, lot, a bunch of people. So now I got to meet him today. And uh, it depends on who this is, who you're talking to. Like this guy is a recon Marine. And that, that you know, that's a whole different <laughs> thing. Um, so it, I just, just go uh, try and do it on an individual basis. Um, and my sponsor, the way he sponsored me, is uh, was kind of super gentle and humble and quiet. And that stuff is rubbed off. You know, it really has. In 22 years, it, it's, it's softened me. And I'm really grateful for it. I don't have the power to get anybody sober, by the way. <laughs> so all I can do is, like Dr. Bob says, all we have to give each other is love. Thank you. We have Nancy next and Walter, and then we'll open up for anybody with less than 30 days. So Nancy, off you go. Hi, Mike. I'm glad to hear you. Glad to hear you. Boy, your story is so much like mine. Um, landed myself in the psych hospital when my bottom, not discovered, um, was I lost my relationship with God. But coming out of that psych hospital, no SA in my city, going to AA, um, but still acting out, still acting out. And the, the aha moment for me, well, when I knew I'd had enough, um, I remember the last time acting out, I always wanted to kill myself. I always wanted to kill myself before acting out. And after, after, the last time I wanted to kill myself before, and I couldn't stop. Um, even though I went to AA for a whole year, um, yeah, the first year, That's I didn't realize how important, thank you, but can you talk about, oh gosh, how important the big book is? Yeah. Well, um, I, I, I would talk to my sponsor and I'd say, you know, I'm an, I am a, 
there's somebody else in here that's in every program on earth. <laughs> and I'm that guy. I'm an FA. I'm an NA. I'm an Al-Anon, an AA, an, F, an SA. And I work all of them. I don't audit any of them. I've done the steps in every one of those programs. But there's a clarity in the uh, eighth grade syntax, you know, some real, real clarity in there. And there's not a whole lot of wiggle room. Um, and and I, I would I say to my sponsor, how come I go to all these programs and, you know, nothing resonates to me like, like Alcoholics Anonymous. And he, he's never, he's not an, an alcoholic, but he could hold his own in any AA meeting on earth. Um, he says, it's probably because you're an alcoholic. That's typical of the kind of bumper sticker answers I get from him. But that is true. It, it, it just identifies. I identify so totally. I have an, what, I, what I call an alcoholic temperament. Sit. And um, so it matches up with the big book. And I'm kind of a student about how far away NA got from it, how far, what the things that Roy missed. You know, all that stuff. But still, you know, if it wasn't for Roy, none of us would be sitting here. Thank you, God. I get my brain back on account of Roy. Say nothing of my marriage and everything else. But it, 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 the big book in Alcoholics Anonymous just resonates with me. It's just the clarity. And and it, it, it's so good that the, there, there are Al-Anons all over the country that when it comes time to work the steps, they work it out of this book. That's really saying something, overcoming that resistance that Alanon has, you know, toward even hanging around or anything to deal with an alcoholic. But that book's so powerful and so simple. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Nancy. Okay, so anybody with less than 30 days can also ask a question if you want. Just please raise your virtual hand. Walter, go ahead. Yeah, thank you, Francis. Hi, uh, hi, Michael. Walter, I'm sexaholic. Thank you for your share. I had a deja vu experience because I listened to your share on the fireside chats yesterday while I was walking the dog, and then uh, I heard you today, and I thought, I recognize this story. Um, my question was going to be uh, something you shared yesterday that you, that I didn't hear today, but um, thinking about the promises in, in step 10 of the big book, that it says, uh, I, I don't quote exactly the words, but it says that we will be immune from the power of alcohol. We will recoil as if from a hot flame, right. something of, the, of that ilk. And uh, I think you shared that that hasn't always been the experience for you with lust, and it's certainly not been the experience for me. I've had long periods of time when that is the case, and then I've had kind of you know pretty heavy-duty reminders that I'm still a lust addict. Um, I'm just coming up on my, my sixth anniversary, and I'd say probably I've had at least four reminders in that period that, uh, you know, I still need to work this program like my life depends on it. So I wonder whether you could share on that topic. Thank you. Well, um, I, unlike um, some in SA, am not lust-free. <laughs> I am just not lust-free. I'll tell you what I got from Keystone, though. That 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 whole experience was so daunting, so uh, um, 
so intense uh, that when I came back, I had about a, almost a two-year period where I was immune. I mean, I could be sitting at a stop sign and someone in a bikini could walk right in front of my car and I wouldn't track. Honest to God, there was, there was no look backs, double backs, no uh, going back down the aisle in the supermarket, none of that. I mean, you know, rubbernecking while I'm driving, none of that for two years when I came out of there. But slowly but slowly, it came back. <clears throat> of course, in the beginning, I'm saying, why am why is oh, there's something wrong with me? What's going on? And uh, my sponsor just calmed me down. He says, You think you're cured? And uh, you know, I'm obviously not cured. I'm trying to, you know, hit the definition of recovered, but I'm not cured, never will be. And uh, my sponsor would always say, Well, obviously, you got the same neurotic god I got. He needs a lot of attention. And um, that's what all that stuff is for me. You know, when something happens to me or, the, or, or I see something that, you know, gets me going, then it's time to, uh, you know, ask for an assist. I've got my little Homer Simpson uh, visual thing that I just come up with lately. Like, like there's a little turtle, a little tiny turtle, and he's up, he's on his back. His little feet are flopping around, you know. Guy's looking way down at him. Look at that little guy. Well, he's, he's in trouble. I think I'll help him. And here comes a wave. Puts him on his feet again, and off he goes. But you got to ask. You got to ask. You can't expect it to happen. This is a participation thing, you know what I'm saying? And just like they see in a big blue book, it's about physical action, you know. God, I need an assist. Can you help me out down here? And and it does. It gets further and further apart, you know. It it really does. The lust is. It, it doesn't control me. It just absolutely doesn't control me. But I, I, you know, I have images before I go to bed. Sometimes images when I get up, coming out of the fog. You know, I'm a sexaholic. So. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Michael. I, I, I uh, I'm reassured. I was reassured when I heard that from uh, some of the longtime sober members that that you know there are there are still reminders, and uh, I'm grateful I'm not, I'm not alone. Thank you. <laughs> hey, Walter. Uh, thanks, Walter. Thanks, Michael. Lee, over to oh, you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my name's Lee. I'm a real sexaholic. Uh, well, I really Lee. appreciated to share. I relate to the desperation uh, and all of that. I'm. A, I also am an all-purpose addict. Uh, anything worth doing is worth overdoing for me, mm -hmm. and uh, it's it's one of those things. And I believe in the uh, AA experience. I was an AA uh, also, but. Everybody in SA, we only had one meeting a week when I started, and the other six days we went to AA, right. and I think that made a big difference because a bunch of us are still around, and yeah. I think we heard <laughs> that. I, I wondered, um, I, you said you wanted to uh, get the guy who was quiet, and I had uh, serenity, and you said some of that uh, rubbed off on, rubbed off on you. 
so do you consider yourself one of the quiet people? Do you feel the inner serenity that you were seeking from others? Uh, how has that progressed over the years? I know uh, continued recovery does one minute. And that's Boy, all. That's a real good question. I, you know, of all the people in the essay, yes, I identify with you more than anybody that I've ever heard an essay. I mean, I am an ex absolute adrenaline addict, wacko, race car driver, in your face, <laughs> fire starter, you know, big me, little you, uh, dominant, um, just horrible. And just, you know, and that's who I am. Physiologically, this is not this, it's physiologically. It's in my body. My adrenals are screwed. I'm an amped all the time. And uh, I was smart enough to, you know, find that uh, I learned it in AA, you know, find somebody who has what you want and they meant it. And there, uh, you know, my, I'll tell you who my sponsor is, it's Maynard. And I came in there and I saw this quiet guy just sitting there, you know. Everybody else is kind of like showtime, you know, when it comes to share a little bit, you know, I can smell that because I am one. And uh, I, I said, this, this guy's got what I need. Um, and, and I really have calmed down. Age has got something to do with it, but, uh, you know, I'm still crazy. I, I knew Harry right up to the end and he was nuts right to the end. Um, I mean, a real sexaholic, but I have definitely calmed down. And there are other things that are part of that. I went back to the faith of my youth. I mean, I did full power. It infers it in the book. And uh, that helped me. And uh, I have an obsession, dog sport. That's uh, it's so esoteric. It's not even worth explaining. But um, but I, I had to have an obsession. I can't live in the rooms. I have to have something else to obsess on in my life to parallel my recovery. Something where I get relief from, and I'm you know over here just doing it like normies. And and I have that. And I also have a wife who just does not put up with any shit. I mean, you know, her Al-Anon is, you guys think this is a tough program? <laughs> Al-Anon is, uh, it's, oh my God, that disease is brutal. So the, so the recovery is spectacular. And she just does not allow me to put on a show anymore. But I'm, I'm way calmer than I was, Lee. I really am. And that's, that's a gift from God. I mean, really believe that. I think God has touched my physiology, performed a physical miracle in my body. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks Michael. Uh, I've gotten a little better, too. <laughs> uh, Matt. Sorry, guys, just time myself there. Uh, thanks, Francis. Yeah, thanks a million, Michael. Got a huge amount out of listening to your share and just really wanted to um, raise my voice, not, not with a question, but just, um, just to say thank you. And, and, and in particular, for me, just that reminder of you said something that reminded me that my disease, my lust, will burn me out before it burns itself out. And I could identify all the way down the line with those 
yeah, nights, you know, six hour stints. For me, it was like another job for me, my acting out. It was like something that I would just do on top of it. Um, And I'm really grateful to be walking away from this meeting tonight with the reminder that my lust will always burn me out body and soul before it burns itself out so just so grateful for that michael and and many thanks for your share thanks matt thanks matt uh greg yeah thank you uh for your share mike um that was good uh you know and i liked your passion and i've got a lot of passion too when i go into meetings and hear people slipping and hear their consequences. And I had tremendous consequences from the disease. And I I hear chronic slippers and they're still having consequences. Of course, I'm still having consequences too. And I've been sober for a while. And I I understand that the consequences keep on following me, uh, even if I stay sober. But the disease is a killer. It is a killer. And uh, it cost me my marriage. And uh, so when I get into meetings, I am passionate about this thing. And I have to calm down. I have to learn how to calm down a little (laughs) bit. But I am so passionate about it and uh, about working the steps, about going to meetings, going to meetings, going to meetings, working the steps, working the steps, working the steps. And it just comes out in my shares at meetings. And it, it, it's so hard for me to calm down and be humble. and Well, not to be humble, but, you know, I equate that my passion and my shares about being humble. So anyway, thanks. Uh, my name's a, 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 a passionate sexaholic, I guess. Thanks, Greg. You know, there's something I forgot to mention in a real big part of my recovery, uh, both in AA and in here, is I listen to a lot of tapes, a lot of CDs. Um, tapes are little things that have stuff in them about that side. At any rate, um, I listen to Sandy Beach, and there's nobody. Like, I think he's on Dr. Bob's level. That's, all, once again, my own opinion. But he t- the name of the game is humility. The name of the game is dropping the rock and getting small. And that is, well, it sounds simple. Oh, my God. For somebody like me, I have to, um, before I ask for any kind of help at all, I have to be tore up from the floor up, face down, beat down. I mean, I, I fight so hard and so long to, to hang on to power and control and my ego uh, and, and then when I, you know, finally can barely breathe, I'll ask God for help. And uh, the deal with the whole program is to, you know, get to the third step. I mean, to work the third step totally in your life. And getting small is, uh, they asked him to describe the Alcoholics Anonymous in a couple of words. And he just said, let go. Does that sound like Alanon? Just let go. So. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. That's my thanks, Greg. We have time just for a couple more. Somebody wants to jump in. Please feel free.
You've stunned everybody to silence, Mike. Yeah. It's my humility. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe somebody has a burning question that they just want to bring out. Please feel free to do so. I can throw one little thing out in too. That my nickname in AA is Dog Mike. Because to me, the answer to just about everything is a dog. And it gave me, but it gave me immunity from the world. Growing up, I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have to cajole anybody or I, I just take my dog and my bum bag and I'm out of here. But for an addict, an, an addict in recovery who's trying to get clean, getting an animal is really helpful because that animal looks to you for his life. And you know, my, my life has been a lifetime of selfish self-centeredness. All I care about is me. And if I have to be responsible, really responsible, that really helps me. And also, and this is, you know, I know it's not universal, but for me, the dog is physical intimacy with no other connotation. Thanks, that's Mike. not true for everybody but for me that's God right here thank you Susie thank you hi Mike thank you so much for your share um, you mentioned earlier that you are not going or at least I thought I heard you're not going to fire somebody who acts out so I'm wondering if you could give a little guidance on when is it appropriate to tell a sponsee I can't work with you anymore. For example, someone who um, calls me when her husband lays down the law and says he's going to leave if she doesn't get back in the program. And so she's back in for a couple of weeks and follows directions for a couple of weeks and then slowly tapers off and misses a call cancels a call and then just is a no-show for call. And this happens, you know, over a period of a few months, a couple of times or so. When, I don't know when to, I don't, I don't give up on people, but I don't know when to say, I don't think this is what a sponsor-sponsee relationship should be, should look like. Well, I've, over the years, I've learned that, um, if you're working harder than your sponsee, something's wrong. Right. Um, and it's okay to tell somebody that, you know what you need? You need to do some more research. Yeah. Period. Just like that. Just an Al-Anon lick. Just leave it there and let it percolate. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know, if they're serious, it, it, it's, it's an inside job. It has to come from inside them. And, and my sponsor kicked my ass a, a bunch of times. And, uh, boy, am I grateful for that. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that's what I do. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Time for just one more, if somebody wants to. Hey, I'll jump in one more time. Uh, I love the idea about a about a dog. Uh, I have uh, I knew a, 
uh, Methodist minister one time who claimed his dog was a spiritual advisor. Right. And I, I always liked that. And I have another guy in our program that says he wants his God to feel like he does about his dog. And he says, every time that dog does something terrible, he just looks at him and says, oh, isn't he the cutest thing? And he's hoping God's doing that for him. Too. So, uh, I think dogs are good. So that's all. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Lee. I, I spent a lifetime being a do what I want, go where I want, say what I want, not being responsible for anybody or anything. A lifetime of that. That's what the dog is. It's got to be an anchor. That's what I'm saying. Unconditional love. Absolutely. That's great. Okay. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks, Mike. So one takeaway I'll take from there is uh, that God, G-O-D, becomes dog. So I must remember that one. Okay. So this... I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.